had it's it's kind of weird. Like I don't, I don't even know if this is podcast talk right now. Actually, the levels look pretty good. If I look, if I wanted to play Tekken, I would be playing Tekken right now. Yeah, um, it, it it is it is Tekken as shit. Um, but but uh, I. I it, it kind of is weird because the initial trailers for Tekken 8, um, it looked like they were giving the characters all these things to make the characters kind of not look exactly like Tekken. Um, because because from the outside, all the Tekken characters mostly look exactly the same, except for, like, you know, Yoshimitsu or, like, Bear, K- Kuma. Um, you know, it, it's, it just did a lot of the cast of Tekken uh, looks like punch gals and guys. Especially when compared to, I, I I don't even know how this can be an argument compared to other games where people are like throwing fireballs or setting down like you know spider traps and using all these crazy weapons and stuff. Like Tekken is just people doing different martial arts, um, and like they're cool and different. But especially if you're just like a viewer, they don't look different. And in the in the first couple trailers, actually, they started to like give characters like weapons in cool ways, just in certain types of attacks, like. Uh, uh, Lei, uh, or, uh, yeah, Lei, um, has a, like, nunchuck, um, attack, and stuff like that. Like, I think that it's kind of, that it's kind of cool, um, like, uh, that, that, like, Lars has all this lightning attacks, um, that they were kind of, like, uh, Nina has, uh, uh, guns in some of her moves, and because of it, I, I thought, like, wow, they're going in a cool direction, because now I could imagine the casual player seeing... Uh, Nina pull out the guns and saying, oh, I want to play um, Gun Milf, you know? Like, like that's that makes sense to me. Versus the way the Tekken is just, is just punch people. But then, that ran out very early on, and then all the, like, Brian, Steve... Um, yeah, I know. Like I know Paul, what Tekken All the other ones because are just every, punching I people. can't distinguish any of the characters. Like, I can't look at a character and be like, oh, that's a character that looks like they're doing something cool yeah but I, but i mean i just told you like the, the, yeah, the some know. of the new characters actually or some of the characters in the it's weird because the initial characters thank you for linking that to me because i was just gonna google that um uh th- some of the initial characters uh did did have things that made you say like oh that's really cool and interesting and different um but then maybe you i looked at them all and i thought they all looked like the same like they were not doing anything nina? special nina, you don't think nina like jumping in the air and pulling out guns looks crazy doesn't look crazy or like the nunchucks or some of the other like weapons or anything like that those things were pretty wild i think i want to see somebody put something on the board Put oh. put something on the field. Put it. Bring out a dog. Well, have I got a game for space. you? Have I got a game for you? Because Uniel is coming out soon, and they've got a dog, and they've got a character right, well, that puts things on the field. That, well, you, you know. can talk about that you in the last shit. category because um, this is the um, the game of the year podcast where we're going to go through um, categories, uh, much like the Game Awards twenty twenty three. We're going to have. A live performance by Alan Wake and the Alan Wake Band. Oh wow! Okay, uh, I, I, this is the first I'm hearing of this. Uh, how much did you have gonna, to pay for this? This is amazing. I'm so excited about this. Like, uh, Alan Wake and the Alan the, Wake Band. The voice actors uh, for Shadowheart, Asterion, and Lizelle. Oh they're gonna be yeah, here doing can, some interviews. You know, he could probably probably could get him. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm glad we were able to get him because uh, uh, he, he's he's Hideo like, well, Kojima is going to come out and he's going to be holding hands with Matthew McConaughey uh, to announce his oh, new game. Oh, new! Uh, 
the, new, the Ken, tall, new game from the, Hideo Kojima. He's, the, 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 it's the a one... horror game. It's called The Tall One. Oh, The Tall One. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So it's... all this is more on all right, WTG all right, all right, right. That's... presents uh, Game of the Year 2023. With the following categories. Uh, best Moment. Biggest Surprise. Win. Best Fighting Game Mechanic. Best, best destroy. Failure. Call it best destroy because this is what I did so hard to bend over backwards and do what we did last year and name things best after Snap. Best Baldur's Gate's Companion. Best Fighting Game Character. Best New IP or On Reveal. That, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Best Marvel Snap No, card. do the thing I said. Do the thing. This is the best card? What does that even mean? <laughs> Discard. Discard. You don't think... Best- okay. I had Best to do this. ongoing game. Yeah. We've got James's roguelite recommendations. You're not allowed to have it be James's roguelite recommendations anymore because I've been playing enough roguelites. Best 2022 game of 2023. Favorite game you didn't finish uh, or just didn't play enough of. Game of the year. And then finally, uh, 2024 most anticipated game. Okay. So let's let start me, at let the top. Let me throw the Uniel on there. With a uh, best moment. Best so moment. For the best moments, we have uh, We Sing in Alan Wake, The First Trip Underground in Zelda, Mineru Zelda, The Ending of Companion Storylines in Baldur's Gate 3, Whirring Joy Formidable in Hi-Fi Rush, The Puppet Devouring Green Monster in Lies of P. Reversing a DI in Street Fighter 6, Entangled in Starfield, uh, They Kill Your Companion in Starfield, or Hitting Infinite in Marvel Snap. All right, so from the top, uh, Alan Wake, I... Is there a way, because Alan Wake is, is uh, maybe... Did I you sh- catch this moment yet? Because they literally did this at the Game Awards. They performed this. No, I, what, what, what do you mean? Did I catch the moment? Did I, did I get it through cultural os- osmosis, do you mean? You were watching the Game Awards. The Game Awards was on, and this happened while uh, the Game Awards was yeah, on. Yeah, well, while the Game Awards was, was happening, I was playing some honky Star Wheels. So I don't know if I remember. I don't think I remember this. Uh, so this is probably the most well-known and memorable moment of Alan Wake 2. When people talk about the moment in Alan Wake 2, uh, this is what they're talking about. Uh, this is like if you took the ashtray maze in control and made it so good that everybody would talk talked about it for the next year. Um, but I guess you don't know anything about it. And as... And we're in kind of a weird spot with Game of the Year right now because I finished a bunch of games this year that you plan to play, so it's hard for me to discuss these moments. Yeah, I mean, well, other than you can, I think you can go in on a, a little bit on on Zelda, on uh, Baldur's Gate, certainly. Uh, I think uh, Starfield just ruined it up, you know, like just 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 get in there and. And mess around. I think Alan Wake, though, is a pretty realistic one that could be in the the near future for me. So that's 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 where I'm gonna. Uh... So this is fairly early on in Alan Wake. Um, if you haven't seen it and you're interested right, in it, so if it's, I... if it's kind of early on, then no, no, no. You need to see. You need to witness this moment. Uh, it is incredibly important that 
if you plan to play Alan Wake that you don't know what this is. Um, but it, it is one of the it's it's not the most out there moment that Alan Wake has, uh, but it's definitely like it, it comes in early and it tells you like this is the spectacle that we're pushing forward with in Alan Wake. The game turns off. It reads your save. It says, I think you've been enjoying way too much Mario Kart 64 recently. Uh, so there's not much more I could say about it except for um, if you're going to play on Wake, go play it. This year is 2024 is not a light year for video games. Like you you feel like maybe, oh, you know, I'll, I'll have a time in a couple weeks. You won't. Um, things are going to be amp- ramping up really fast. So if you have a backlog... Play your backlog. You know it's going to be a crazy. Are you, are you talking to the the, the viewers? I'm talking to you. I'm or, talking to everyone. Or me specifically. But also you. <laughs> me specifically. Well, listen. I just finished Lies of P today. Congrats. Uh, Lies of of P has been lane. That's uh, all I got. Zelda, first trip to the underground. So, I was pretty lucky with my coverage of uh, Tears of the Kingdom, where I was able to avoid pretty much all of it. Yeah, I never. I I, I was not aware of this. I was not aware so the of the, the time, whole vertical aspect. The first time that I went underground, like I knew about the sky stuff. Like obviously, like as soon as you jump to the ground, you look up and you see that there's all of this area. Well, I guess the in tutorial the sky. takes place in the sky, right? So yeah, so you kind of knew that was going to happen. So it's like okay, so they like you know there's like the air part and the and the ground part, yeah. but I did not know about the underground part. I do also believe that trailer wise the sky stuff was was more upfront than the underground. I I, I didn't really the I, I never really looked at the Zelda trailers because I just thought like I would rather just experience this. I feel like this is a, a game that uh if the trailer is gonna give you a moment it would you'd rather have that moment organically. But um but yeah I, I do agree with you it's a very cool moment to just be like wait the whole there's the whole map, the size of the map is like under the ground. And it reminded me of um, Link to the Past, like the first time you go that to you the go to the, the dark world and you realize like, wow, this game is twice as big as I thought it was going to going to be. Yeah, it, it uh, is. It is pretty big and, it, and it's really cool. Um, I don't feel like it's on the level of the main world for how much stuff is there, but it's certainly like a cool addition. And it is like kind of like breathtaking and. It's really intimidating, I guess. I guess. Yeah. I, well, this is—it's not the fir- the best mechanic. This is how did it make you feel in that moment? And that is true. And it made me feel like, holy shit, this game is huge. Yeah. Um, which leads me to Mineru, um, which I texted you about when it happened to me, and I just said, I think I just witnessed the best moment of the year in in Zelda, but I can't talk to you about it. No, actually, you um, just just, just t- say this one. What made it so, the best moment? So there is a... I, I was kind of going through the game and like almost 100%ing different areas of the game. And there's a part of the main world that is ob- obscured by like a, a massive thunderstorm and like clouds. Yeah, I think I remember that. And I didn't know how they wanted you to get through it. But I... I I don't want to say I brute forced it, but I kind of like brute forced my way through this area that I couldn't really see. And at the end of it, I found a temple and the temple pointed me towards um, like a hidden cave, like 
across the map. And I went to that and then it activated like this giant elevator. And the giant elevator took me down into the underground to a secret dungeon. And in this dungeon, I had to assemble all of the parts of a mech. And this mech was the se- was the secret final guardian of of Zelda where it's like you think you know how many dungeons in the game there are going to be and then they hide them on you they're like okay so you have the four overall dungeons no you don't there's other dungeons so like happening upon this like moment where it's like I'm in like this really scary and intimidating thunderstorm. And then like I go to this thing and a new main quest appears on my on my list of things based on this random fucking around I was doing was so crazy. And then there are like these separate dungeons where in each part of it, you're grabbing a piece of the mech that once you assemble, you have this guardian who you can attach pieces to and ride around on. And they're like just a, a mech. And that was insane. That is pretty wild. To, to just like happen upon that. And like there's these cinematics and the music is so cool in that area. And I just felt like when, when something like that happens, it makes the game feel so much bigger than it is when you like happen across this like emergent moment that like eventually I would have gotten breadcrumbed to it. But the fact that I got there before I was supposed to and was able to like see this like late game content, uh, I I thought was really powerful and, and so incredible with just like the, the constant like thunderstorms and stuff like that, that like breaks up when you activate the, the final part of the puzzle. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Do you still, I, I, I guess I'll be interested to see at the end of this if you actually believe that that's still the best moment of the year. Um, the end of companion storylines, I feel like that's pretty vague because it's a lot of them. Um, well, it's it's impossible to really discuss the end of companion storylines without, in Baldur's Gate 3, um, without massive spoilers. And it is like a very large topic. And it's also... Because Not because of the number of companions, but because of the ways that things can play out. Um, but I did find the end of Shadowheart and the end of Asterion's um, storylines to be especially powerful in ways that I don't really feel great about sharing, especially because I do think that you specifically should play more Baldur's Gate 3. But... I will say that I think that Act 3 of Baldur's Gate 3 is by far my favorite part of it. And I, I think that it, it's worth talking about a little bit because I think that there are differing opinions on this about how some people say that Baldur's Gate 3, the first act of it, feels like a complete game. And the, the first act of it feels so magical because you don't know what could come next. Whereas in Act 3, they they need to funnel you in a certain way, right? Like, they do need to bring you toward an ending. But I felt like at the end of Baldur's Gate 3 and with the companion storylines, they it, it does feel 
like they respect and allow you to have the ending for the characters that you want, whether those are things that uh, they wanted the whole time or instead ways that they've changed their opinions and grown as characters based on the way that your character has chosen to interact with them. So Shadowheart uh, embracing or rejecting her religion and Asterion, uh, you know, embracing or rejecting uh, the issues and commitments that he has based on his curse. And and Lizelle just based on like her Gith Yankee background, like all of these are things that are malleable and that matter up to literally the very last moment of the game and into the epilogue, which I actually didn't get to play. I don't know if you know this, but after, uh, I, I think in the last couple of months, they added an extra playable area to the end of Baldur's Gate 3, which is an epilogue, which I actually haven't even checked out. Uh, but I do plan to, you know, play through the game again, so I'm not going to load up my last save. But I, th this is really just a, a good place for me to say, like, I personally feel like they stuck the landing at the end of Baldur's Gate 3. And I feel like other people's willingness to admit that is based on the types of characters that they uh, worked with and how their personal story developed, because I'm sure that some of the stories are stronger than other ones. So, but I personally was really happy uh, with the conclusion of the companion storylines. And I thought that there were some extremely powerful key moments, specifically with Shadowheart and with Hysterion, that you can allow happen uh, that are very uh, moving. Well, hell yeah. Um, are we ready to move on to the next? Yeah. Okay, so uh, I think most people, I think similar to what you said, the uh, We Sing in Alan Wake, I think if you said to most people who liked uh, Hi-Fi Rush, like, do you remember that level? Um, this would be, probably be the one that would immediately come into their mind. Um, uh, the, the, every level, uh, I've talked about, uh, this game before, so, uh, every level kind of has, like, a song that plays through the whole thing. This, this, uh, has this incredible song. If you haven't listened to it, you should, you should really, uh, listen to it. Um, but, uh, it, it plays the, the whole time. It's, it's an amazing, amazing song. I've been listening to it the entire year, and, uh, I think... It's like I think it's like the penultimate level, and it also uh, is all of the mechanics and everything story-wise is coming to a head at the same time. So that's why it's it's it is it is like such a cool moment with such a good song that fits the moment, and it's such like a bright and uh, fun and like noisy song. And the it it is like easily the best level I think in the whole game uh, with the best song, with all the things coming together, with all the um, so it, it is like, it is so cool. It is so cool. The, the song is worth watch is worth listening to. If you, if you don't have any interest in playing Hi-Fi Rush, I think I would just like Google or just YouTube, like the worrying, um, uh, uh, level from Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, it, it, like the music sounds great. The way that they, it's integrated into the level is the best. Um, uh, a lot of the, like team that you're with the whole game hasn't really has been like kind of on shaky ground and has been worried and i feel like it's the moment where everyone is kind of like believing in everyone and thinking that they can actually do it and that's why uh i put this on this list so you love it 
Oh, I love that moment. That's just such a good moment. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm checking out the clip. It's cool. But yeah, the um, music is amazing. If I, I definitely give this particular song a shot, too. It's so good. Uh, Puppet devouring Georgia. green monster in Lies of P. Yeah, there's is a... this some is this recency bias? Mm, what do you mean? I mean, Lies of P is a fantastic game, according to most, to generally almost anyone. So. According to um the people at the cafe yesterday, I I was having lunch and I heard people talking to the barista at the counter about uh, Lies of P and Elden Ring. Yeah, I just but finished, what makes, I just finished what Lies makes of the P. puppet devouring green monster of the swamp a it is moment the, it of is the, the swamp. Year. Did you know that it was a swamp? Do you do you no. googled it? Okay, so so the puppet devouring green monster. Uh, I, there, I, there's a lot of good moments and there's a lot of good bosses, but I think that uh, this boss is the one that stands out in my mind as one of the best because. Uh, the game has a really, I think overall, especially for the bosses, the game has a, a pretty good and somewhat fair difficulty curve. It is, it is. I think it's probably one of the hardest, if not the hardest, Souls-like game I've ever played. Um, but the whole time, I think that like there's a decent difficulty curve for the bosses, and then this boss kind of like is the beginning of the maybe like last 33% of the game where, where it's like, it's kind of getting, you're kind of getting deeper and maybe 40%. Like, like you, you have feel like you've played a lot of the game at that point in time, but, uh, there's still a quite a while to go. And after that, I think things like noticeably get really, really hard. Um, but kind of before this boss, um, you can, you can get away with a fair amount of like, uh, uh, dark soul style, boss fighting where you're you're kind of like strafing and then you like dodge roll into the enemy's attack um but from this boss onward there starts to be uh like the attack patterns start to be so rapid that you can't possibly um dodge anymore and the way that you end up having to like fight bosses from this one onwards is that you like memorize attack strings and like parry parry attack parry parry so like the, the the game gets more like rhythmic and aggressive and much more um like it, it requires a lot more from this point um and then the other reason that i'd actually uh put this boss on the list is because uh every boss uh, this this isn't um a surprise but uh just like a regular souls like uh every boss has a like unique weapon tied to it and the um, Puppet Devouring Green Monster has the best Souls weapon that I've played. Does that make it a good moment, though? Yeah, I think I think the 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 monster the the fight itself is cool. It is an awesome. It is like it is a really really fun fight. It is the fight where you have to like get good. So it's also important in terms of the rest of the game. And like I said, the the weapon that comes from it is like a jaw-dropping kind of weapon that's like, whoa, that, that is, like, sort of game-breaking. I, I cannot even imagine a Souls, like, allowing a weapon to do the thing that it's allowing it to do. But, uh, yeah, I think that, I think that, I, 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 I don't think it's, like, necessarily recency bias. I think that I'll still think Lies of P is a fantastic game uh, in the future, even though I just finished it today. Uh, the the Puppet Devouring Green Monster I fought, like, maybe a couple weeks ago, um, and, uh, I still think it's probably, like, one of the best moments of it. One of the first, like, it, it really is, like, it, it sets the stage for what happens after that. What are you munching on? 
Popcorn. Because, you know, this is a popcorn, popcorn moment. This is the Game Awards. Popcorn is the one of the worst <laughs> snacks you could have on a podcast. Um, Prove it. Uh, reversing a DI. I put this on here um, because I felt like it is a really satisfying moment. The, the sound... I like that it's on here because, like, before the game even came out, you said that uh, that DIs were going to ruin, were going to make this game unplayable because DIing was so good and that it was so hard, near impossible to counter them. I think them a lot of act- so I, think, I think a ton of times you you take uh, Ryan Galloway and crying uh, and bum- bumper uh, their opinion. Uh, for, no, you said for my this. Opinion. I you, don't. No, I don't. you said this. No, because I, I, I didn't even play this uh, in beta. I don't think. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, play but it. you, you, you talked about it still. I am a hundred percent certain. I marked your words because I also remember when you started constantly hitting these and and correctly dealing with I, them. Well, I, well, I remember texting that like the first couple days of it that it it felt very. It felt like whoever was was remembering this was a mechanic was winning the game. Usually, um, I I am going to say absolutely not that I do not believe that I said that. I did not say that this this mechanic ruins uh, Street Fighter Six. I do think that like it is like a very surprisingly huge mechanic, um, which makes sense because as you as the game has gotten older, I think that people have learned to consistently kind of beat it and now the 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 ever presence of it means that like you don't usually feel like once you're once you're more used to the game it doesn't feel like a a surprise i actually do have this in one of the mechanics um but uh no i never thought this game that this would ruin the game i do i did think in the beginning that like it was insane until i started reacting to it took me a while to react to it and until i started ever reacting to it it was just like it's kind of weird because my the first couple days of playing street fighter street fighter 6 was like uh the people who are like maybe street fighter 5 fans um i feel like myself included uh, Street Fighter, like jet, like Street Fighter old heads, uh, the fours and threes and fives. Um, if you were just playing this game without remembering like the drive rush and dri- and drive impact, uh, you would just kind of be playing this like sort of like quote unquote fair game. And then the enemy, like if they just like were just like, acting wild and it's like it's their first Street Fighter game and they're just they're just drive impacting and drive rushing everything. Like I feel like they were doing fantastic in those first couple of days, where you're just like, "Oh yeah, you're you're right." I, I I completely forgot that was a mechanic, and that just blew me up, and I didn't react to it because the window for it is like just barely at a human reaction. I think it's like 24 frames, um, so it's just barely in human reaction. Um, uh, and uh, I think reversing the DI, especially when you started getting that, that's why this is on best moment. Is like it is so satisfying. The there is like a frame. There's like a pause in the match and it is like a huge checkmate of like awesome for you to react to it you get a huge punish i feel like even as the even when i was the one um di'ing and like the person reacted to it and reversed it uh that it would be like yeah you're right yeah yeah you you deserve what comes next like that was that was stupid of me just like throw this out which is kind of a cool way to do a mechanic like di is so strong and has so many uh, usages, but once you're used to it, and once you turn it around, the like uh, the reversal of it is so powerful. Uh, the other way around, so it's like can be very swingy. 
Um, tell me about these two com- upcoming Starfield. Yeah, so we'll start with Entangled, which um, is kind of like that mission in uh, Titanfall, where you're jumping back and forth between two separate timelines uh, in order to um, sort of get through this crisis. Like there, there is like this collapse that is happening uh, in this in a in a timeline in Starfield, and the only way to resolve it is to go into another timeline where they have a better chance at solving the issue, and just jumping back and forth and taking like clues of where the destruction went wrong and and what went like where things failed in the failure universe and then like jumping back to the solution universe and like trying to bring those things over uh i i think that they i i think that this is also just like a good point to like discuss that like starfield had some really good moments in it that it was a game that could have been very tight and could have been a much more narrow and focused and like absolute game that that I think would have been uh, pretty well received. But like I said last year, they just took a lot of key moments and spread it across like a massive sandbox. And I think that Entangled is one of the better missions where it feels like you have an impact on like at the end of it, like you have to choose which timeline you want to collapse. And it's a real like um, trolley problem dilemma mm-hmm. of like, do I save this area that has more people or do I save one that has uh, people that I might care about more? Uh, and and I thought that that was uh, people I might care about it, more next. It was a, it was a choice that felt more impactful than yeah. a lot of what you get otherwise in Starfield. Um which also brings me to my next one, which is uh, they kill your companion. So as you go through the game, uh, the game is obviously taking note of which companion you're spending the most time with. And midway through the playthrough, even if you've like romanced that character, even if they've got like, you know, like they're your best guy, you've given them all your stuff like they they make you make a decision uh, that essentially like, I I don't even know that it's necessarily a decision, but it was essentially like, you know, you're the area that you're in is under attack. Do you want to stay and defend and try to save these people? Or do you want to go to this other area where your companion is and give them backup? And you you think about this, like the way you would other Bethesda games, right? Where this is not really a thing that they do, where they'll just, like, they know who you like, so they'll target them and kill them. Yeah, that's pretty cool that they would... That is essentially what they do, and and as a result of that, they give you you stakes uh, in the game, especially later on when they reveal, like, who the primary adversaries are, like those those decisions do end up mattering and it is in it does also give you this consideration of like when you loop in the game uh are you going to loop because you want to see the companion who they took away with away from you and do you want to make different decisions in that second playthrough to see if you can save them 
And that is interesting because in the second playthrough, you get unique dialogue options that allow you to say things like, I've been here before, I know what happens. And I think that that's one of the better things that Starfield does is it, it does let your character like skip things by being like, I have been here and this is what happens. Like I can just tell you exactly how all of this is going to go down. So let's do this. And, and I think that that is a really strong and interesting consideration for New Game Plus. And I do think it's interesting that you can loop New Game Plus multiple times and the universes will be different. There will be versions of the universes where some of your companions uh, were never born or you get there at a different time and everyone you know is a, is a kid or there's like an alternate universe that you can happen upon where uh, some of your companions are plants instead. It's like a super rare variant of it where some of them are just plants uh, or some characters chose different decisions in their lives. So it's not without interesting ideas. Yeah, that does uh, actually sound, those all sound like very interesting concepts. And, and, and this is one of them. It's just that there are so many other things that they got wrong and that they mishandled uh, in the game. Like the fact that when you do loop in New Game Plus, uh, you, you lose meaningful progress on customized, um, like things that you built up, like um, your settlement areas and your, the, the ships that you've constructed are all wiped away, which feels really weird. It, it feels like an awkward choice to be like, you can really customize this world and make it your own and then leave it behind so that you can get these increasingly stronger and more insane powers. Because every time that you loop, you're upgrading your <clears throat> like space wizard powers to like insane degrees where if you loop long enough, you essentially become like a god who is just like blast, like no enemy or enemy scaling can help the fact that you can like time stop an entire area for like a minute and like like force blast like a mile away from you and just like do all sorts of insane shit. Um, if you just like keep looping and keep getting more and more artifacts of power. Uh, but it, but it feels like there are parts of this game where they were well designed and and not communicated to the other arms of the development team. Uh, but that's the Starfield moments. Um, you have Hitting Infinite on here, which I'm kind of surprised because I feel like it's not that special um, these days. The uh, first time, though. The first time is pretty uh, interesting, especially since I think we... And this is not best moments. This is best moment. Well, I mean, it's it, Hitting Infinite has gone through so many different uh, changes because when I had originally done it, it was uh, 10 points to a level and... Uh, I think getting to one of the, uh, uh, like, uh, 10 milestones gave you, like, one one level in. That's it. So you didn't really get, like, a big boost in it. And it was, like, a bad... It was, like, a really crazy grind. Like, the first time I had did it, I remember it, it took forever. Um, and I was, like, just grinding and grinding and just, like, doing it nonstop. Um... And uh, they, they've made it better. And, like, that's de definitely not to say that, like, oh, it should be this way, that th this insane way. Because, like, I don't think that was great either. Um, I think they've made it a lot easier and a lot more accessible. And 
Uh, I think that's a lot of fun for a lot of people because the game, I think that, that like the game, my enjoyment of Marvel Snap uh, uh, since uh, Hitting Infinite has become less interesting to me is that like I'm not enjoying it so much until I hit Infinite. And then when I hit Infinite, I like do whatever I want. I mean, I, I'm still enjoying it. I'm never not enjoying Snap, but like usually I'm playing more to win and playing like better decks that I feel like are just consistent and do well. Uh, and then when I get to Infinite, I'm just playing decks because there's a card in it that I want to play, or it's an archetype that I want, or there's some, get those boosters. There's some sort of dream that I'm like trying to live with the deck. So um, I almost, I feel like a lot of people di- do always say like, oh, hitting infinite is the, uh, is the, um, like the beginning of the game. And like, I, I can somewhat agree with that. The it first is. time though was a big deal for me. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, I did hit infinite in January. It might have been uh, January twenty twenty three. Because because I hit um, infinite uh, a day before the season ended, and it was during uh, the X Men season for me, which is uh, I Marvel Snap got me into reading comics, and I'm I specifically reading um, X Men. So I really wanted the X-Men card back and I got really lucky because the day before the season ended, it was a hot location and the hot location was Kamartage and I was playing a junk deck. Uh, So I was just junking it up on people where I was doubling up the amount of rocks and I was, you know, doing double, double sentry, double, like I had a game where it was a mirror dimension and I had Kamartage on the left and Karmertage on the right. And I was sentrying on the left, dropping two voids, sending them over with Viper double. That's back when uh sentry was a four, eight, if you'll remember. Yeah. Uh, oh, and so, back when Viper was a two, three, which was way better than a three, four. That, that's going to happen. That's coming back. Don't worry about that. Viper is going to be a two, three again, real soon. They were worried about the havoc thing. They were worried about people vipering over havoc, but that never happened and it won't happen. Uh, so yeah, I was just, I, I was just excited about, about it the first time, like so much, like it was such an incredibly, uh, big and important moment for me because I had invested so much time, uh, that month getting there. And I really, I struggled and, you know, early on I was like, it, it made me like snap so much more when I realized that I could, I could make the push. And ever since I, I got there the first time, once you get there the first time, it is so much easier getting back. Like even right now, I'm like rank 96. I've hardly played this season. Yeah. Uh, but I think that first time is is a big deal. And yeah. I remember like people were watching, and I was I like I was so excited to tell you about it. Like it was it, for me, it did feel like really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I do agree. Like that, like since it, if it was in the for in this this year, like it is a really crazy moment. I think that. Uh, as 30-year-olds, you really do rarely get a moment where uh, you get told by something that you actually, like, put in the work and you're pretty good at it. Um, and uh, usually I just feel, like, uh, be- like just bad at things. Um, and uh, it, it, it is really cool to be infinite and snap because it felt like I was putting all this time in this game. And rarely do you get to, like... Like, you play a lot of League or Valorant or something and, like, you never a lot of times get to feel like you're actually good at it. 
that like usually like I the most people like play in bronze and silver and the whole time it's like you know I spend all my time playing this game but I'm just not good at it and like that's kind of a little bit heartbreaking as much fun as you could be having playing the game there's like something that kind of like is just a little upsetting um and uh with with uh with with snap like i i do feel like uh i got there you know like with with i i had this moment i don't i forget if if i got to heaven i definitely got didn't get to heaven for the first time in guilty gear uh this year but uh uh maybe like last year but getting to heaven and guilty gear um and getting to uh infinite and snap were just moments that were like whoa i can like if i really put the time to it i can be at like the top one percent of these things and like that is that is extremely satisfying extremely cool so give me your best moment of 2023 oh it's so easy baby it's whirring by uh it's uh the whirring uh mission of of hi-fi rush it is it feels so good i i just cannot even explain how like if if, uh if you're not familiar with it i just can't explain with like by with just how good it it generally feels it just feels fantastic uh uh i don't think there's anything like it for the most part uh it's it's phenomenal i am really struggling with this one yeah there's a lot of good ones actually because you want to say we sing it's been an emotional year for video games, and I thought that We Sing was incredible to the point where I showed Alyssa. I like walked the iPad into the room and was like, "You need to see this because this is incredible." In a way that transcends uh, video games, in a way of like, this is not incredible only because it's in a video game, but just because of like the the pomp. And and what it like, just like the art of it. However, however, I think that there it's is going to something. Reversing a DI in Street Fighter Six, obviously. No, uh, you know it really. I I watched a video of the puppet devouring green monster, and wow. Uh, no, well, the the toss up here is for me between hitting infinite and marble snap. Um, which I think is like a really personal moment and, uh, the end of companion storylines, which I feel both is like this personal moment that you have, but also is a mechanical moment and also is a story moment. So I feel like I've got to pick end of companion storylines, uh, in Baldur's Gate three, uh, for me. And I, I I thought that it was a pretty a pretty hard pick between between these three, uh, but that's oh, just we what both I picked the randomly the same color to represent ourselves. Oh, interesting. Oh no! <laughs> I'm, I'm going yellow. No, I I I, th- I I switched. How did that happen? How do we pick exactly right, the same? So end of companion okay, storylines. color that you would never. And uh, in Baldur's Gate three and worrying. Uh, in Hi-Fi Rush. I don't like that color. All right, we've gotten through one category so far. Oh, nice yikes. Job. Terrible, terrible, terrible. <laughs> biggest uh, surprise. Uh, that, so the f- biggest surprise, uh, on the first one we have that we're still playing Snap, which I think is extremely appropriate, uh, Hi-Fi Rush, just the game, Baldur's Gate 3 in general, but I wrote down specifically Baldur's Gate 3 mainstream hype. Um and then you also wrote Alan Wake 2, Critical Acclaim, Lethal Company, Mortal Kombat 1 is kind of good, uh, that Kirby didn't finish Zelda, 
James loves Grand Blue and RoboQuest. Uh, I don't know if there's, we're missing anything, but this 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 feels like a pretty good uh, listeroo. Uh, uh, so first up on the, the, the list we have that we're still playing Marvel Snap, which I, I, regardless of whether or not it's a surprise or not, it's pretty ridiculous, right? Like we, we still manage to, uh, I think play and love this, this card game, uh, the, the entire year. Um, and I think that they are generally doing a really good job with it. I think that, that it's in a better place maybe than it was, uh, last year at this time, I think that the spotlight decks, and now that the reward system has kind yeah. of worked out the way it is, stay uh, away from the Reddit. Yeah, the Reddit yeah. is like insanely negative. Uh, Super the entitled, despite, like the despite how insane the, delusional it, it, people. It, it, it is. It, you know, uh, it, it, we we are talking about Snap. Uh, there was a there was like a uh, a post on the Reddit about uh, that commercial that goes around um, on YouTube where Ben Brode says says like oh you know marvel snap we tried to make a card game where you couldn't just buy all the cards or buy your way in and um it it was like you know people were like mocking it or whatever saying like oh yeah this game is expensive like are you fucking crazy you are fucking crazy if you think that marvel snap is like a pay-to-win card game you you couldn't like i i i I don't even want to have a conversation outside of that with how incredibly people are so dumb with like if if a good card gets released they bitch if a bad card gets released they bitch like no matter what people are so unsatisfied with everything that comes out i think you always have like recently they recently announced and said we missed the mark with gold tickets in caches and in the future, we want to replace that with something more meaningful as more events are released. We hope that we could find something that will give players meaning when they open caches. And the community immediate, like the most updated voted comment is like, they're going to make them worse. Like they're still not going to contain tokens or gold or credits. And it's like, oh my God, you've been complaining about this. They say they're going to fix it, and then you're like, this is worse. This is going to be somehow worse. I don't know how, but it will be. Anyways, we're still playing Snap. I just, I, I mean, I just can't believe it. it's so weird to me that like the the amount of things I could say with uh, number one, the game doesn't require dupes. Uh, I'm coming uh, coming from like Magic the Gathering Arena. That game is ridiculously expensive to play. You're fucking insane if you don't think that that like Marvel Snap actually is insanely free to play friendly. First of all, I I, I think it, it it blows my mind that Mar- Marvel Snap is, to my knowledge, the only card game that pays attention to like a collector's level pool so that you can't fight certain people in that are, that are getting like you you can't buy boosters um and you and you're and if you've never played this game the way it works is like as you there's an initial pool where you must booster you're, packs. You, you're getting yeah you can't buy boosters you're, you're initially getting cards in packs. An, an exact 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 order then um uh uh it, it gets down to like a list where you have to get cards or something but the, it's just a small pool um and then you open up to like you know the tier three of cards and the game is trying to match you with people who have a similar collection level and because of that uh you're generally playing with people who like you know they're not like the all these uh uh tier five of the of the cards and tier five doesn't necessarily mean the cards are better or anything like that. Like I, there's, there's not, that is not true. Some of the best cards are still like the cards you get immediately. Um, and everything is pretty work working. You can work for it and obtain it. Um, 
quite easily and enjoy the ride. Like I, I think that it's like insane that, that going into any card game. The, the only argument I can I can hear against this like this dumb uh, 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 vocal majority is that it would be difficult to like go into Marvel Snap uh, day one and be like the best or something i don't i or, or like you couldn't play with like some of the characters or thanos or something that maybe you'd want to if you didn't put in the time to play with it or something but um it's still insane it's still like you're getting you're getting fair matches you're getting matches with people who have a similar collection level and you should enjoy that time like i don't understand the i the, the whole like i want to be both fighting against every people who have an entire collection level and have the whole collection level. And I want all that for free. And I don't want to have to like spend any time to unlock any of that or do any of that. It's insane. Like generally if, if you want to have, like, I, I think it's fine that people have that argument that like the monetization of snap isn't great. That's a different story. And that's fine to have that argument. Like, should you be paying like these packs where it's a hundred dollars and it's like, um, half of enough uh collector's tokens to get a, a tier five card and um a a single um uh skin or something like is that bullshit yeah i don't think that's great like i i don't think that some of the prices are great i don't think that the that some of the monetization is great yeah you got but, any hundred dollar cards uh no I don't me think neither. So. Maybe maybe uh, maybe I do. Maybe I did a long time ago. I'm not entirely sure. I don't. I uh, got She-Hulk though. I got the. I think it's a like sixty dollars She-Hulk. That's the craziest I've gone. Yeah, and that's really good. But but yes, like I said, like I mean, like there's. It's weird because there's two different arguments. The argument that like the things that you, the, the cosmetics cost too much money, I think, is a fair complaint, even though the cosmetics don't get you anything. And then the other argument is like Marvel Snap is not free to play friendly, which is like it's not an argument. You're a fucking idiot. I just that that's it. Like I I don't, I don't even want to have time. I don't even feel like I want to like justify that outside of that. Anyway, um, biggest surprise. Do you have any? Actually, do you have anything more on? We're still playing Snap. Are you surprised? I'm gonna keep playing Snap. There's some really cool stuff on the horizon. I'm excited for. I know it sounds silly, but I'm excited for the new borders, like new cosmetics, new emotes, and stuff like that. I think I, I love I, emoting. I'm, I think, I'm a big emoter. I'm a I'm an emote guy. I would have been more happy. I, I, I don't think that like the border thing. It's fine. That's fine. Like and I, people have been asking for it, so that's fine. Um, I kind of wish but there are new borders too. Okay, if there's new, yeah, new borders, borders would be nice. Like it'd be kind of cool if if like you could get a green border, but it had like an ultimate effect or something, and then yeah, that, there's new and, borders. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff would be nice. And I and I also really hope that they have better backgrounds because the new backgrounds are coming. Yeah, the, those those things will I'll be very excited for because um, right now uh, upgrading cards gets you like the rainbow backgrounds. I think are bad in general, and I think most people would agree with them. Like you're kind of grinding out the rainbow backgrounds to be able to get the black and white or the gold, and both of those like. They look good, but they have problems in 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 one or the other direction, right? Because the black and white is cool because it shows the whole background, but if the 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 card itself is kind of colorful and nice, you're missing out on that color. And then the gold one is bright and colorful, but it's always gold and it shows no background, kind of. So it's like it's missing out on that. So both of them kind of have their problems. Um, Hi-Fi Rush uh, is on this list uh, just in general. Uh, we talked just about Hi-Fi Rush. We talked about it before. Um, when we were doing the month rundown, uh, it came out of nowhere. It was like $30 and on um, uh, uh, Game Pass, and it was from like Tango Gameworks that doesn't make these kind of games. It kind of just like, it, it like hot dropped. 
uh, without any fanfare and got some good word of mouth. Um, it, it, it has to be a surprise. It, it just was not, like, on, I think on anyone's radar. I don't even think I played this game the first couple of weeks that it was out because uh, I just heard, like, you just kind of heard, like, oh, do you know Hi-Fi Rush? Like, people are saying it's good, but it was just a weird, out-of-nowhere game with no pomp and circumstance and no setup, and I think that's very rare for this industry. The, the, it's it, All too often you get the reverse where um, you get a trailer for a game that is like oh, that you almost see nothing like how about like the kojima trailer right where you almost see nothing you don't even know what type of game it is and it's like well maybe you'll enjoy playing this game in three or four years uh so so like it just feels like why am i even seeing the tra- seeing the trailer at this point and then hi-fi rush is kind of the complete opposite where you're getting a whole game uh just launched just hot dropped very cool Baldur's Gate 3 mainstream hype. So we knew Baldur's Gate 3 was coming. Uh, I didn't expect this to uh, have the impact that it did. I didn't even expect it to have the impact uh, with myself uh, the way that it did. Because uh, this is a format of game that typically a lot of people don't like. There are people who I still see in YouTube comments who are like, this game looks cool, but it's turn-based, so I'll never play it. Which is, and and also like, oh, it's like a click to move. Like, I can't play those types of games. Like, these are opinions that people have. Yeah. um, And that's fine. So it is interesting that that is like a pretty common opinion, but that Baldur's Gate 3 uh, still struck a chord with people. Part of it also is that, um, and, and, you know, there's been a lot of discourse of like, why did Baldur's Gate 3 uh, hit as hard as it did? Um, and part of it is that we are at a like critical breakpoint of Dungeons and Dragons hype that really started during COVID, right? Like people, yeah, uh, COVID. There was the movie. I, I think the movie kind of helped. The movie was was actually pretty good. It's incredible. Um, but you know, people were not able to spend as much time with their friends, uh, and so. I, a lot of D and D groups formed over the over COVID, um, and Baldur's Gate three. It's just as close as you can get to Dungeons and Dragons uh, without uh, playing with a group of people, pretty much. So it, it, it people trusted the name, you know, because did old, they? Because I really gamers. don't feel like I've been in the we, like we've been making a literal podcast for 10 years and i've been playing games my entire life and i i've been aware i'm, I'm not saying that baldur's gate itself is not like uh a game that it's not a name that i've never heard of but i don't think that people were ever clamoring for it like i just think that the, the I, I i agree because when i going back if you listen to the baldur's gate uh podcast which i i had weirdly enough recently did for some reason um uh on it i i think we both even say it's kind of shocking that this game was as as popular as it was because i don't think that it had like any 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 right almost being that popular like i just don't think that it makes any like i i had a lot of people in my class uh saying that like uh, oh had you played baldur's gate which is just really weird because usually like if, if someone you haven't talked to is mentioning a video game it's often like the one of the most obvious ridiculous ones it's just like it's god of war it's um call of duty or something like rarely would people be like oh yeah like uh i play some video games have you heard of baldur's gate i'm playing baldur's gate like it's weird that that game because that game really should have been niche and it wasn't and that's weird it it, like it it even got um uh uh, recognition at the game awards so, so 
I think it makes a lot of sense that it's on this list. Yeah. Um, and next to that is Alan Wake 2's critical acclaim. I don't know if that's quite as surprising. Really? Because I feel like, uh, number one, horror games, they don't always perform that well. Uh, I Resident feel Evil like... And si- Resident Evil and Silent Hill do, do pretty well for themselves. Where is Silent Hill? Uh, Silent Hill, I don't know. Ko- Konami stopped making games. Yeah. That's that's why, that's why like, you don't have that, but... Uh, and you uh, think Resident... about Resident Evil, but what about every other horror game? Uh, like Phasmophobia is doing fantastic for itself, right? Like it's it's ridiculous. It's it's pulling not in... critical. I mean, but I mean like critical acclaim for like, you know, all of these games that you are not necessarily thinking about. Like, what are the the ones by the Until Dawn people that have been releasing every I, I, year? I, I that think they don't. There's a lot of there's a like a, like actually horror in in games has for a long time. Like, there's been a lot of like mainstream horror titles uh and like horror horror uh series that have like gone on for a long time i feel like horror is not the least represented um if you want to say that alan wake 2 is surprising because alan wake 1 is an okay game it's a fine acceptable game and then alan wake 2 is like something greater than that it's a it's it's a fantastic maybe it's like a fantastic game right and it's a fantastic game that's a follow-up to like an okay game is I think that is I think rather than critical acclaim, like I would start right there with like Alan Wake Two is even on a, anyone's game of the year list when Alan Wake One itself was such a whatever of a game. I right? mean, the Game Awards this year was pretty much there Alan were Wake three games. Baldur's at, Gate. Yeah, it was that, and then Zelda like won some awards, and that was it. And I and I think that if you had heard that at the beginning of the year, you would probably not have believed it. Like if, if if you were told that the two big games this year was going to be a fist fight between Alan Wake Two and Baldur's Gate Three at Jeff Keighley's Game Awards, yeah, and honestly, which of the one do I find more surprising? It's Baldur's Gate Three. Why? How in in God's name is that the game that like mainstream gamers are talking about? There's no reason why that should be. The People one. would have said it's going to be Spider Man Two versus Zelda. Hey, go that's to the Spider Man Two subreddit. They still they're still holding on to that. This, that's a grudge that will last forever. Lethal Company. Uh, here's one. Here's an acceptable one. This is a... Um, I mean, this hit with the same rigor as, like, uh, Phasmophobia. Um, and it seems like it has some pretty good staying power. I think that it's always fun when uh, these kind of, like, you know, solo developers kind of, like, release this game that's very... I mean, this game is even more bare-bones than, like, Phasmophobia. This is about as bare-bones as a game could be where it's really like it's a pick up and deliver game where you're going into a location you're picking stuff up and you're bringing it back but just like the design of the enemies and of the way that the equipment interacts just like is a is like a good formula for insane and weird moments um i don't know that this necessarily wins it for me um, but I do think it's pretty exciting. I think that it's always fun when stuff like this kind of just like pops up out of nowhere and just like takes Twitch for a couple for a couple weeks. But talk to me about this next one. Uh, oh, Mortal yeah, Kombat yeah. One is kind of good. Um, I'm. Uh, I feel like I'm surprised. I don't know if you're as surprised. Um, maybe uh, uh, in retrospect, I don't know if it fully deserves. I mean, I don't think it's going to win this category, but. But uh, uh, Mortal Kombat One 
uh, being kind of good. Um, I think we, in the past, we've had a, a pretty decent time with Mortal Kombat on the drop and then uh, fall off quickly. And it almost looks like that is uh, repeating itself now um, because I, I think that there has been less interest in it recently. Um, but I'm, I, but I, I'm surprised that that it it, it was really good. I, I don't think that it doesn't deserve some of the praise. I think the cameo system is very is is very cool. It, it's very awesome. I've praised the system nonstop. It, it, you know, it being a 1.5 character fighting game, I think is really to its credit because as long as I think, especially when you have when you play it the way that we were playing it, where you're just kind of hanging out with your friends and you're, and you're enjoying it, which is insane that like, that's, you know, rare. And I understand why, um, and not just trying to play it at like a competitive level where it feels like maybe, you know, one or two of the cameos and are viable and like less of the characters are that good. Um, uh, that, that like, it's, it's really crazy to have, uh, this, this, this pretty cool big roster of base characters to play and that they can all be modified and have work with the different cameos and have different combos or different, you know, approaches to neutral or getting in or, or responses to things. And that's really cool. Um, uh, I will say that that one of the may, another one of the reasons why maybe it doesn't win biggest surprise, um, but just deserves that honorable mention, is because the things surrounding the game I think have increasingly revealed themselves to not be that great. I I, I really mainly mean that like the modes, Mortal Kombat is famous for having phenomenal phenomenal modes that are for uh for casuals and single player um and and great unlocks and great um uh uh like systems to keep you playing and i don't know if this one actually does really have that i think that the uh invasion if i keep forgetting if it's an invasion or like intrusion i think it's invasion um uh is a really extremely boring and bad mode it's just it it feels like i don't know who was absolutely it feels like they put in like a lot of work for something that is so incredibly boring and it's it's so boring and it's like asking you to do it like every season and and, and i just don't want to i, I really don't like it, it the, the it's literally like you're getting this like whole mode reset every season then you got to grind it out and it's all these like you versus a, an ai and the ai is just stupid as shit but usually has some like Usually you're going through the, the a lot of the rounds in like ten seconds. You're just you're just rushing the AI down. The AI is not blocking anything. They're paying no attention, and it's going great. Um, and then you and then of course it's Mortal Kombat. So you have to wait for the loading screen to get into the game. You have to play the game. You have to you kill them. You go into uh you know uh, finish him. Then you kill them. Then you get a score screen or something, and then you go to the next thing. And it's like kind of frustrating how much of this mode you're not actually playing you're just like wrestling with load times and all the dumb things that happen in mortal Kombat. and then uh the the hard fights are usually because like some dumb thing is happening where the enemy has like infinite hyper armor and like they're attacking invincibly uh, invincibly through all your moves or something or like there's some sort of weird environmental hazard so like none of that stuff is good at all uh we've talked before about how bad that like the uh unlock system in the shrine is compared to the crypt which was fantastic and phenomenal um so mortal kombat one uh uh it, it, it is i think the gameplay was a little i i think i i enjoyed it a little bit more than some of the past mortal kombats uh so it is kind of good um but it's kind of good um, the next on the list is that I didn't finish Zelda, which is pretty shocking to me, actually, because I, I, I love this series so much. It's like a, a series that's so near and dear to my heart. And, and I, this is a pretty critically acclaimed Zelda game. People like this. 
people like this, James. This um, isn't your uh, this isn't your um, Skyward Swords. Yeah, I I I don't I I, I just don't have a lot. I, I have talked a little about about this particular thing. Um, that uh, number one for me, I guess uh, it probably didn't help that I played uh, Zelda Breath. I played Breath of the Wild and in anticipation for the game a couple months before this came out. Um, so it's kind of like fresher in my mind. Um, how the world looks and like the mechanics of it and everything and getting into this uh uh i guess it felt too samey in a lot of directions and some of the ways that they changed the game i guess weren't for me and we we have talked about that as well that that um uh for you like the the kind of like nuts and bolts crafting is something that you've always kind of liked and uh liking that it, it being a big newer like mechanic of the game and being something that is so different between uh tears of the kingdom and breath of the wild um if it's some if it's a mechanic you like then if it, it sure it, like it feels like you know like like that is a big huge cool addition but for for me it was something that like i didn't really i i felt like it was like a little like I, at least the, the some of the creations i were making just kind of felt like uh uh, uh heavy-handed kind of sloppy where like it were it wasn't really exactly doing what I wanted it to do in a lot of cases, and I'd rather just like play without it doing that kind of stuff for the most part. So um, uh, the new mechanics of it, I, f- I thought were usually just like fine, um, and uh, I- it felt like uh, with when Breath of the Wild was a complete revelation, was like taking Zelda in a completely different direction, and so shocking and incredible and just change the industry uh completely that this game was like a a obvious and definitely fantastic improvement on that base but it's like you know it's not the like 1.0 it's like the 1.2 it's the 1.5 of it where it's like it's not a full 2.0 of like whoa this is also you know industry shattering and gonna create you know games behind it it's just it, it, it was good, and, and I, I don't even really remember, like, I feel like maybe I'll come back to it at some point, I'm sure, because it's Zelda, um, but uh, but I, I don't remember. Something must have happened where I kind of fell off of it, where it was like, I, I just didn't want to go back to it. I think also I was playing a lot on the Steam Deck, uh, which is a, a better place to play video games. Yeah, I mean, maybe next year when you get a new Switch, uh, the Switch 2 or the Super Switch, uh, maybe that'll encourage you to play this game yeah you you say that and like i actually agree with you like if there was another if there was a we've been we've been saying for a while that we wanted a switch that was just a hardware upgrade that uh uh you know had your same library and account and everything on it and if they did that and made a switch that ran better and made this zelda look better i think i would give it a shot and probably the next time i would give it a shot i I could probably do the whole thing i I think I, i would maybe get through it but uh uh for this one it was just like uh, I was kind of getting like tired of this. This I, I I was like not as blown away by the Breath of the Wild style gameplay anymore, and I'm getting kind of like tired with the Steam Deck. I mean, this with Switch because of the Steam Deck. So uh, that was where yeah. I was at. Uh, so let's keep it moving, though. Uh, James loves Grand Blue. We don't have to talk too much about this, but uh, I played Grand Blue. F- Fantasy versus Rising, which is a mouthful. Uh, that's too many words in a name of a video game. Uh, but I really dig it. I dig the characters. Uh, I'm actually kind of excited for Grand Blue Relink. Uh, if that comes out on PC, I don't actually know if it is. 
but this game has kind of got me interested in the worlds of Grand Blue. But also, I think that Grand Blue Fantasy versus Rising is probably, uh, I don't think it's the best fighting game to release this year, but I do think it's my favorite fighting game to release this year. Yeah, I had a I had a really uh, good time with it, and I hope we go back to it. Actually, like Grand Blue is a. Go- I never stopped. Of- oh yeah, I, I have. I mean, I'm I still playing. I, I feel like there's a there's a game recently. Oh, <laughs> uh, speak of the devil. The next the next thing we're going to talk about. Um, uh, but uh, uh, there's a game recently that like we I I haven't really. I, I think uh, a lot of times when I am alone and playing a fighting game, I think it pops into my mind more that I want to play Guilty Gear, even though Grand Blue is fantastic. Um, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm just missing Grand Blue talking about Grand Blue a little bit. Um, it's not perfect. Uh, I talked a little bit before, before about how the, uh, speed of the game changed a lot from what I originally liked about it, but, but uh, yeah, I'm happy that you like it. I think that there could be a biggest surprise next year. James loves, uh, Uniel because like, oh man, Uniel is fantastic. Um, I, they, they aren't going to ch- Grand Blue was like my heart like grand blue i feel like i loved grand blue prior to this and the changes they made changed a lot of the core of the game i I, the way that i would i would describe it is like if you're like a valorant fan or something which i i guess like this is just like the way i'm thinking about it um if they like took out um the way that like gun spread works um and made it so that guns just like shot where they're aiming uh, that like the game would change instantly and the game would would some people like it better yes would some people like it worse of course um but the game would change instantly and it would be kind of weird because it was like if you were so if you liked valorant so much then maybe them changing like making the game like a run and gun like a call of duty or something would feel weird to you and it would feel like like kind of uh bad and i feel like for grand blue it was just weird that the uh, the original grand blue is spacing and neutral and footsies and this one is like very aggressive very in your face very like i want to put the person it's it's very anime it's like i want to put them in block stun because if you're in block stun like the situation is bad probably like you are gonna have to deal with like a lot of like possibly mix-up stuff a lot of plus frames there's like the running stuff so all right, mister, you're getting too deep into mechanics. I've got a whole section for How that. How about biggest surprise, uh, the up next, and this might be recency biased. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Because sure. because how can it not be recency bias? But um uh you if you will if you are a big viewer of the show, and they are viewers, um uh the uh last podcast you said uh that a game released in I believe it was December uh, called RoboQuest, and I, uh, while we, you were kind of talking about it a little bit, I, I YouTubed it, and I was looking at the trailer of it, and was like, you know what, this, this looks, uh, kind of up my alley a little bit, like, the game looks very nice, and kind of seemed like it was playing kind of nice, and I was like, you know, oh, you could jump in with a, a friend, and I think after we, you know, I, was it after we finished the podcast that we were like, how about we, like, how about we get into grit, like, I, because I think I bought it, right, during, during the podcast, and we ended up just playing it that night, and this is, like, this was a, a, a really an out-of-left-field game for me, because this game is phenomenal. RoboQuest, I, like, I cannot, I don't even have a, I, I almost, like, struggle to say a bad thing about this game um uh it is a uh roguelike game it is a shooter game it's a roguelike game it's a shooter 
Um, I think the, the the quickest way I can describe like why it's good is that not only does it combine all those things we always talk about when we talk about roguelites, where um, especially once you start playing the game more and getting deeper into the systems, that like there's crazy builds and like some game breaking builds and items and everything, and the um, the Metroid progression of it like has some moments because if you want to talk about moments biggest surprise like or like a big like a maybe that, best that, that grappling like, hook i feel like a best moment of this year was grappling hook like grappling hook was like whoa you've been playing this game for like 20 hours or something and suddenly the entire way you play the game has like changed and your mobility is completely different like this game has all that this game is fantastic um but but i guess like the core of the gameplay it has uh that that quake style a really rapid arena shooter movement but with like more valorant csgo style uh flicky hit scanny guns in most cases so because of it like you're kind of coming into a room your movement is out of control. You're 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 flying all over the place. You you have there's rails for you to grind on, and you're just you're hyper hyper mobile, and you're like flicking from enemy to enemy, trying to like headshot them, and like everything is perfect. Like the the sounds are amazing. The crit sound is incredible. The enemies are fun to fight. Like I think just like room to room diversity. The the way the guns feel different. Uh, uh, leveling up and getting a chance at a perk and like some of those crazy perks like it, it's phenomenal actually like this game is pure dopamine and it was a huge surprise to me that like that a unknown developer made a game that is like this incredible this complete this good feeling it feels like it, it sometimes kind of feels like a triple a game like like there's there, there's nothing i haven't encountered anything where i'm like this feels like a small studio did it everything really feels like this incredibly well thought out incredible game um, so that's our biggest supply, surprise category. Uh, where, what would you say is your biggest surprise of the year? It's got to be Baldur's Gate three mainstream hype, right? It's got to be. I can't pick Baldur's Gate three for every category. Yeah, but for the ones I can pick, uh, it's hard to not go with this one, right? Ah, uh, man, this is a difficult category for me because it's a bunch of ones that I really like. Um, uh, but I guess I'm going to go with I. I feel like I have you can to pick go the with, same one as me. You can I pick the feel same like one. I have. Mind. Yeah, I feel like I gotta go with uh, uh, that. I didn't finish Zelda. I, I think it's kind of surprising to me. I it, uh, Zelda is like my favorite franchise. It's kind of the the franchise that got me into video games, and it's still it, it is like one of the darkest spots uh, of me of of my uh, video game history that I didn't finish this recent Zelda. All right, we've got we've got a quick one here, which is best but an exciting one fighting game mechanic. We've got. Uh, Ultimate attacks in Grand Blue. We've got the drive meter in Street Fighter VI, cameos in Mortal Kombat 1, and wild assault in Guilty Gear Strive as an update. Yeah, this is a fantastic uh, year for fighting games. I think there was a lot of really good fighting games on on uh, uh, that, that released and got updates. And I would also say that this is a, a really good year for fighting game mechanics. I think for the, there's some really interesting yeah. fighting game mechanics. So, so, so let me talk to you about the two that I'm between. Yeah, uh, because for me, I'm between cameos on Mortal Kombat One and Ultimate Attack. Well, if you want to run down, let's run down the and list. I'll, let's do the same. And I'll tell you why. Uh, because one thing that I'm always kind of looking for in a fighting game is uh, a way to express my character that is kind of unique to what I want to do with them. Yeah, sure. Uh, 
And I think that both ultimate attacks and cameos are really great for this because cameos allow you to say, I love this character, but I feel like there's something about them missing. Uh, so you're picking your Lee Mei and it's like, she needs a combo extender. I want to get more damage off of my single hits off of my, off of my nine frames. So I want to pick Scorpion or, you know, I'm playing, uh, any other character and man, do I wish I had a spinning blade that ran across the whole screen and, and hit low. Uh, automatically was for, neutral for me yeah and set up for um high low situations and was plus on on block yeah why not so the, the cameos do allow you to like take a character that you like or choose a new character like i want to learn somebody new but with a little bit of comfort food in it so i'm gonna play garrus but i'm gonna play uh scorpion cameo because I already know how to play Scorpion cameo, so I can think about... You said this year on, that you were a Scorpion main, which I think is based like... Based on... The cameos yeah. are, are are such a part... Like, they're, the abilities of the cameos are, in a lot of ways, so game-breaking that, like, it does feel like that sometimes. It does feel like you have Scorpion a comfort... with Reptile, with uh, Omni-Man, with Garrus... Until eventually, I switched out uh, the, with Garrus to be uh, Sindel because that was pretty fucked and up. And I and I liked Sector actually a lot of the times. Like it, it, I really enjoyed the, like not only the crazy timing and pressure of the hidden missile. I I loved combos and stuff that involve hidden missile. I love getting a knockdown and setting up a hidden missile for like a high low, a safe high low, and stuff like that. I I I, I, I kind of had a similar thing where there was like a there was like cameos that I kind of was drawn to. Um, and, so we, on, and, and I also, and, be, and before we finish and just the last thing I want to say about cameos is I really like it as a mechanic going into the future, because what we said before is that, um, whenever a new cameo releases, which there's always a cameo releasing next to a character, um, it, it will change, you know, the rest of the cast, right? Like, like if a new cameo releases and it's adding something new to the game, then maybe, you know, you're not, you're not interested in Quan Chi, but maybe you are interested in Jade. And, um, and it, or whenever chameleon even chameleon, chameleon, you're right. Um, uh, and, and I, I think that's really cool. I think that's like, it, it's, it's really neat that like the cameos modify the characters like that and them releasing more cameos means that like your own character is getting DLC. Even if you don't like, it, it's, it's pretty wild that like, even if you don't care about like the, the other DLC characters coming out that a cameo releasing might change your character. Uh, but tell me about uh, the Grand Blue versus Rising Ultimate Attacks. So the thing that I love about Ultimate Attacks is that every character has multiple of these. They have like at least like f I think it's like four, right? Well, Everyone every four. every it's it's every ability in the game has an Ultimate Attack, right? Yeah. So every character has access to like at least four ultra powerful moves. Uh, that can really change the course of the game. But because they're meter dependent, you don't get to just like use them back and forth. But it's almost like imagine if in Guilty Gear, every character had four super abilities and each of these super abilities um, like really impacted the character in meaningful ways, giving them reversals when they didn't have them before. Uh, giving them multi-hitting projectiles that are going to consume all of them, giving them like these like massive like get off me buttons or well, I think in, in some in in some of the coolest examples of this, they work completely differently than their base attacks. Uh, like I, I guess like a good example of this would be like uh, um, one of my favorite characters, 
uh, use this. He has this bomb he throws. The light version of it explodes on impact. The medium version of it explodes after one bounce. Uh, the heavy version of it uh, clings to an enemy, and if he shoots it or grabs someone, uses any of his like flashy kind of like arsenal abilities, um, it detonates, and it can increase combos or make something safe. And the ultimate version of it is completely different. It uh, continually ground bounces and like allows him to like set up crazy wonky situations and like mix-ups and uh, pressure that he w otherwise wouldn't have. There's, there's some like cool examples of it. Um, uh, Siegfried has a he has a uh, move where he like does this big huge like slash down attack. And normally it's it, it you know there's nothing to write home about it other than it's like good damage and he can also like change up the timing on it the ultimate version of it is unblockable um and the person has to be like you know get used to like almost a timing maybe like roll or dodge spot dodge the flash for it to be able to deal with it um so like a lot of some of these ultimate moves are like pretty scary and game breaking and add something new i think if you want to say anything that like anything that would explain this um uh, uh, how big of a deal ultimate attacks are it's it's they gave another tier of move to every character like you have a, a every character has like their light version of the attack the medium version of the attack and the heavy or the ex version of the attack and they all function in different ways they have different they they have like sometimes different uses yeah, yeah, up yeah. for it and now they gave an ultimate attack which means that like they put another attack onto it and and like you said yeah. before it's more expression it's more freedom it's another resource to manage it's another choice to make it makes the characters more expressive um it is a huge change to the game it is it is a very very big uh, uh, game right, give me give me the quick hits here on the drive gauge and the wild assault well, Drive Gauge, I think, is such a big deal because it is every single thing in Street Fighter. Um, it is this tug of war. It is like a secret Cold War that is going on during... It's the... almost like a secondary health bar, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, this is like uh, managing your chip. This is managing your ability to cancel attacks, your EX so moves. Drive right? Gauge starts out at 100%, and you can use Drive Gauge for EX. Um, and for other mechanics as well, like the um, all of the mechanics in the game kind of work around this gauge where uh, you can dash forward and attack using the drive gauge um, and get plus frames for that. You can, the DI, the, the drive impact we talked before, which is this big um, kind of like a focus attack from Street Fighter 4 where um, it, it absorbs three hits and it does this big, huge, like, step forward and attack that can crumple enemies. Um, uh, uses drive gauge and all these kind of mechanics use drive gauge and also getting chipped by an enemy uses drive gauge so it's it's just like secretly it makes the game it, it is one of the most brilliant and simplistic mechanics i've ever seen in a fighting game where on the outside not knowing a game you can watch street fighter 6 and you're seeing the health bars and you're thinking this is why you know someone is winning or losing based on this but the drive gauge is this kind of like secret cold war mechanic where where if you're more familiar with the game and you're watching the drive gauge and like what how people are utilizing that and if people are going for chip damage or burning the enemy's drive gauge and putting them to this like burnout state where they have nothing in their 
uh, they're they're having a difficult time even blocking. Uh, so it's this like very thinking, uh, this really interesting mechanic that uh, a lot of gameplay situations can revolve around, and that all almost all of the gameplay like resource wise revolves around this, and a lot of choices both people are making revolve around it. It's like it's very elegant, it's very interesting, and it's just like that everything kind of revolves around it, and it's it's really cool to see a game a fighting game that has a core mechanic that is baked into the rest of the game as much as this um and then guilty gear strive has a uh, wild assault it won't win this I, I i just put it on because like it's all it, right it's a mechanic uh wild assault is like not a fantastic mechanic i guess it's kind of turning out to be like um it, it uh there's three different types of it um and it's a, another use for the burst gauge i think is like one of the more interesting aspects of it and can like uh, it's supposed to kind of change what a character can do. There's like one for the the heavier characters that's invincible, but um, uh, and then like the technical characters have one where they can like uh, uh, block. They can do like a guard break and set up uh, parts of their kit. Um, but for the most part, this is like a mechanic that almost can hurt the game in some cases. Um, and and uh, that's all I'll say about it. Uh, it did come out this year, though. <laughs> so that's why I got on this list. Hell yeah. All right. So the winner for me is uh, Cameos in Mortal Kombat 1. Uh, and the reason why, for me, I'm picking Cameos is because I feel like if every game had this mechanic, uh, I would like them all more. Uh, for me, it's going to be the the drive gauge. I just love the fact that it, it it is so elegant. I love that everything ties into it. I love the choices around it. I love like how aggressively like I love the idea that you can just like in a Street Fighter game that you start out with a hundred ex gauge and it sounds broken. That you can just sit there and throw like ex 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 fireball. I'm just throwing out ex fireballs. That like but like the punishment for that is so fantastic, is so great, that, like, you're in burnout, you're going to get destroyed, like, it, it is just, like, such an interesting mechanic from a lot of different reasons. Well, that's good then. So, for Best Destroy, we've got uh, Street Fighter Six's Drive Gauge and Mortal Kombat 1's Cameos. Next one, hopefully a quick one, I think so. Uh, Best Baldur's Gate 3 Companion, we have Asterion, Shadowheart, Lysel, Will, Gale, Karlak, Minthara, Halson, Minsk, and Jahira. I don't know some of uh, these names. Yeah, of course not. Well, you know, you get some companions all the way in uh, Act 3, so, you know, you don't get them all early. Um, so I see that you've already highlighted uh, Asterion as because your you're winner. Because you're insane if you don't think Asterion is the best. Asterion uh, is uh, the dopest uh, uh, Baldur's Gate companion. Um, I, t I actually, when we were talking about Baldur's Gate, I actually mentioned Asterion as a character that I was not initially interested in, was actually very annoyed with, because he attempts to kill you when you first meet him, and he's an asshole, and he has a problem with a lot of things, and he is just uh, generally a burden. Uh, a lot of the times uh, in your group, he's a vampire. He's a half vampire where he he uh, needs to drink blood, and it starts to cause issues. Where during night, when you're sleeping, uh, when you're doing a full rest at camp, he tries to drink your blood. And uh, if he does that, he will be very strong one day, and he will weaken the character and make them kind of useless uh, at the same time. 
So he is just like overall a burden and he's always creating problems and nothing goes smoothly with him. And then I love him because uh, he just brings so much character to everything and uh, figuring out his like interesting ways that he thinks about things, the way that the voice actor just like uh, perfectly... He is like pompous and an asshole and just this like kind of elegant douchebag and I I really just cannot get over how deep and interesting and annoying this character is. So for me, uh, my primary party throughout the game was Asterion, Shadowheart, and Lysel. The first three. The first three. The first three that you get are the ones that I ended up rolling with. Um, my they character also all hate each other. Um, at, during the start, maybe, but that doesn't really last for long. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the game, I feel like nobody trusts anybody. Uh, that said, one of the reasons why I'm most excited to replay the game is I actually want to spend more time with Gale. And for me, I actually do think that Gale, uh, Oh, you made Will really small. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's fair. <laughs> I, I, breaking news, I just turned uh, uh, Will to having a uh, six uh, font because he sucks and is an awful character. So I, I really do love all of the characters that I've played with so much. Um, I didn't get to experience any of Will or any of Carlac, uh because they died. It's, it's they so, died. like I, they I died almost immediately. They will, died. <laughs> will like in a game like like early on in this game, I was realizing that like I was like I play these games kind of boringly and safely, and that I don't want anyone to be upset with me, and I want everyone to like me, which is real life. I just have horrible social anxiety, and playing with like Asterion and Shadowheart kind of opened me up to being it being okay that there was a lot of friction in the party and that created interesting moments uh will is like a boy scout and all of his initial things he like had a problem with everything and he's like we should only ever do the right thing we should be cool and nice all the time and i just thought he was so boring even though his like class kind of is like rune fencer and he should be interesting and there's some setups but like every time i talked to him i was just so bored by his opinions of things where he's just like that's not good we shouldn't you shouldn't we, we really shouldn't be eating ice cream at 11 o'clock we're about to go to sleep uh in an hour uh and it's just like well shut the fuck up well i'll, I'll, I'll eat ice cream whenever i want so I do really like Gale, though, and I feel like Gale, similar to Asterion, has this like positive negative pull to him where he is a wizard that is inflicted with a curse from the weave, which is the source of magical energy, uh, which which essentially Didn't he have, like, forces sex him with the magic with magic. Yes. He, like there there is right. like a goddess that is the source of magic. And I and he had sex with her. Yes. Yeah. So as a result of of his uh, cavorting, he needs to consume magical items where throughout the game, you need to constantly be feeding him magical items that you find or he'll leave because he needs to do this. Uh, but I think that his development through the game is really good and his impact on the main story and every character does have some impact on the main story. But I feel like what the conclusions and the ending of the game might mean for Gale uh, does have a bit of stronger weight to it. But I also think that Gale's story is really interesting because 
you assume that he is one way of like this is like this pompous wizard who like thinks he's such a badass because he like you know fucked the source of magic but it's really that he was a victim in this relationship and he is essentially like a victim of abuse from a captor that he can't escape because it is the source of everything that he is. Um, wow. And I thought that that was uh, really just well done in, in a game full of incredible stories and characters, even Asterion, Shadow, Heart, Lysel, Karlak, these are all characters and, and Minthara are all characters who are victims uh, in, in this story who come out like they they have this like greater grand purpose but all are humanized uh in different ways throughout the game and i thought that uh gail was just an incredible example of that uh so he's my pick hell yeah so, and, and like i said asterian was mine i think asterian is like uh, uh the reason to play Baldur's Gate. i feel like he is so cool he's so interesting such a fascinating character i think that like you said uh uh Baldur's Gate, you gotta see how it ends. You I think gotta it's, see it's really, what happens with Asterion. I think it's really cool that uh, Baldur's Gate. I think that I, I don't even we 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 have like only lavish praise on Baldur's Gate, and I think it's really cool that Baldur's Gate gives you these companions where like there's always problems. None of the companions are just straight up good. I think that they like they they manage and they're to, so well acted too. They're, they're incredibly well acted. Uh, uh, that they really make you fall in love, and the, and the and just like we said before about Baldur's Gate, uh, they're so reactive to things that you're doing, which I think makes them feel much more alive. Um, but but really, it is that like none of them are just a straight up like toss up. They're great, and and there's no problem. They all got problems. They all have like burdens that they cause for you, issues that they cause in the party, friction that they cause in the party, and I think that like. When you grow to accept that, that it, it is it is very freeing. Of like things aren't going to go smooth. It's fine that it, and, it, and the and the other thing is that any of these characters, like their their throughput, their story could have been the main story, and in fact they are because you could choose any of these characters to play as the main character. Like instead of building your own, you could just pick one of these, and every character. Uh, at least the first, you know, six or seven or so on this list are good enough to be main characters. And the game almost has like six stories worth of stories in it just between the companions. Like any of their quests from beginning to end is is an incredible game story. And the fact that all of them are in the same single game is just uh, it's it's incredible. It just is. All right, let's move on to a, 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 another uh, very, Same thing. very near and dear to my heart. Uh, 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 next award that we're going to uh, the best fighting game character of the year. Uh, we have from Guilty Gear Strive Johnny, Oscar, and Elfelt. Um, we have Dalsum, Blanca, and JP from, from Street, Street Fighter. Fighter. Uh, Eustace and Siegfried and Caligostro and Lewayne are from uh, Grand Blue. Um, and then we have Omni-Man, Scorpion, Smoke, Lee May from uh, uh, Mortal Kombat. All right. So 
some of these characters are more impressive than others, and I think that we could start striking some of them from the list. For sure. So um, uh, Asuka is a really, really crazy character to talk about because Asuka basically is playing this card game, this solo card game where uh, Asuka has four cards at a time, and uh, the cards are like from these three different decks. It's insane. It, it really, I like. I don't even want to explain it without so don't. just saying it. Uh, it Let's it is, talk about characters that aren't good enough to be on the list. Asuka. <laughs> because, I mean, like... Oh, I, like see, Asuka would have been my pick uh, yeah. to stay. Okay, all right. Well, I mean, well, this is not like It's not like we're kicking if I characters were gonna off. Go back to, if I were going to go back to Guilty Gear, it would probably just be to play yeah. Asuka. I mean, like, oh, I'm just saying that, like, for me, like, it, it wasn't the... Uh, but but Asuka is ridiculously unique, one of the most unique characters of all time. Um, uh, literally one of the most unique fighting game characters of all time. Uh, so how could you knock him off the list? What's because I guess he's not going to win my award. Uh, uh, Johnny from Strive uh, was a really cool incarnation of Johnny. He is just, just so cool. Just so cool. Um, what would make him the best fight? Give me, tell me what what makes a character the best fighting game character. Um, I guess just like there's a what do you lot want? of is it drip. The, the, not just the drip, but the drip matters. And Johnny's drip is out of control. He is swaggerific. His the way he moves, the way he plays. When he's winning, he just feels. Oh no! Where was it late? We have a, a late edition. It's Lorraine on the list has apparently become twenty nine Arial size font. Um, uh, but Johnny, I mean, you were talking yeah. about we were talking about drip. But go on. Uh, so one of the main things, uh, uh, I guess, one of the main mechanics they took this character that's usually broken in the past of Guilty Gear. One of the main mechanics is that he throws out of card and if he attacks it with his mist finer which is his like this this stance where he puts his hand on his sword and then does like this rapid um uh, invisible like you know you know anime style just like it, it like a sword attack that you can't even visualize uh, if he hits the card it creates this like lightning strike that also um uh, guard breaks and can set up more things. It's just very smooth, very cool. Like you're making it, it's a it's it's a simplistic game design, but works very well. Um, Elfelt is actually I didn't I haven't played a lot with her, but she is one of the most like fun characters to a fighting game that has that has released in a long time. Um, she just everything she does just works. It, she she you can get this character kind of up and running in minutes. Uh, one of her the 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 main elevator pitch for her is that uh she has a lot of different you know ways to she has some very different kind of techniques she has a a uh a projectile that shoots out then reorients itself after a certain distance and then tries and tracks the opponent which is kind of cool and can set up some interesting scenarios but one of the one of the most interesting things about her is she has an infinite reka she has a so rekas are usually a move in a fighting game where you do yeah, one thing yeah they know what they know what rekas are if anybody uh, didn't fast forward through this section they know yeah and they she know. can do it infinitely it's the first time I, I think in any fighting game where this is a thing where she can loop a reka over and over again and start at a, a point so she's just like very ridiculous very fun very in your face and the, and the and the redesign was very cool um dalson was the character i played the most of and liked the most of in street fighter 6 it's it's one of the coolest in it's the coolest incarnation of dalson i mean um the, what they, makes this dalson different from other dalson um it's really that they put his teleport into the main part of his kit i i they, previously 
uh, the Dalsum teleport has, like, slowly worked its way into a part of his game plan, but, like, in Street Fighter in Street Fighter 4, it was too slow to... It wasn't even in Street Fighter 2. Uh, in Street Fighter 4, it was too slow to really be a part of, like, the game plan in a meaningful way, and I don't think he could really act after the teleport, I forget, so it wasn't, like, a really big part. In Street Fighter 5, he became this, like, weird Dalsum rushdown character in some cases, where it was a big part of the kit, and they really just, like dialed that back they made it so that like the the teleport is a big part of the kit but he still has like really better zoning options because in street fighter 5 they nerfed his zoning options so he kind of has both he still is the stretchy arm guy and he has actually like teleport and kind of good mobility which is interesting like actually the more you play this character and the better you get with him the better your movements feels because starting out his movement feels horrible he's really slow has the worst slowest jump but once you get used to like the rapid instant air teleports and everything he feels very all tough. right all right the cane is coming out of the side of the of the off off the stage we gotta we gotta get through the this list so blanca the reason why i think blanca is pretty interesting in street fighter six it's not just his um like his design which i feel like is very cool he's got like really good mechanics with the blanca dolls it's the best with blanca. Set play. every anyone it's, would ever agree this is the best yeah blanca. but but i think also just that like people weren't expecting blanca to be as represented as he was like on a lot of early tier lists blanca was like either middle of the road or pretty low and i feel like after we saw what happened at what was the big tournament? Was it Evo? Uh, it it was like Evo, CEO right? or something. I'm not sure. Might have I mean... been CEO. Uh, where Blanca won. Blanca was the the big man. He did it, and I I felt vindicated because I never downplayed Blanca. I played Blanca and I said this character is better than most people are giving him credit for, and I think that he's aesthetically fun. He's the only goofball in in Street Fighter Six, which. I, I think is a really underrepresented archetype. In fact, I would argue that most of the characters in Street Fighter Six are kind of dull. Um, but then there are there are a couple of standout characters uh, like Blanca and personally to me like JP that I think are are kind of keeping it spicy. Yeah, I mean, like my last word on Blanca is like I've been playing Street Fighter for a long time, and this is everyone's agreement that it is the uh, coolest, best, and best uh, uh, version of Blanca, best incarnation of Blanca, and Blanca is usually very gimmicky, and this character is gimmicky, but it's real. Uh, like it, 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 he has real game plan, game plan outside the gimmicks, and like that is very cool. There's also he's also just like one of the most fun characters in the game to watch because of some of his unique stuff, like Blanca Chan. Uh, tell me about JP, JP, because JP is another character where. Uh, there has literally never been a character that is even remotely like JP in a Street Fighter game. And I think that especially week one, that was like really felt where Street Fighter characters could not, Street Fighter players could not play against a character that, that, that worked like this. Yeah, and I think that JP kind of, he, he created some problems for the game because he had really unique zoning capabilities, which was cool and good, but then on top of that, he had disjointed and powerful normals. Um, I like him for the first part. I thought that he had really cool aesthetics of being like this kind of like dapper old gentleman who used like psychokinetic energy uh, to fight. And and that's what I kind of dug, but it, it did become pretty clear that like 
Yeah, maybe he also is a little too positive on some of these really strong moves. And he interacted really positively with drive gauge mechanics uh, in ways that were that just like ended up being incredibly beneficial to him. I don't know. I really haven't been following the meta in Street Fighter, so I don't know how people feel about him now. S tier. But but I felt like there. he was just super, super fun to play as. And it, he, he uh, that's what mattered to me. He had this really interesting um, wild ride where week one, it was like, JP's broken. He's the best character in the game. Uh, he's insane. Him and Ken are insane. Then, like, by a month or two in, it was like, J- the JP, JP kind of stopped. And people were like, no, you know, JP's fine. He's whatever. He's middle of the pack. And then kind of... Especially with, um, I, I can't remember, I'm trying to remember, Kakiru, I think, from Japan, um, just started winning all these majors in Japan nonstop with JP and just shot right back on the list. And it's just like, no, actually, all that JP stuff that was working, like, he's a guy. He's still amazing. He's like S tier. He's right up there with Ken. He's like incredible. Um, Eustace is the next on this list. And the, the elevator pitch for him is like, he's almost like Batman. Um, he what, just if, has, what if gun? He has like all these different tools and weird abilities, and like is yeah. one of the more technical and weird characters of Grand Blue. Uh, he has a stance that can that like he he dashes forward, and it has all these different abilities of it, like four different um, uh, thing options out of the stance. You can cancel it and go for a throw and empty like d- dash into the throw. Um, like I said before about him, he has like these bombs you can throw, and there's four different types of the bombs. The the gun is crazy he can shoot like a bouncing projectile he's just like wild and i think he he's also just like very smooth very cool looking he's just like cat boy with a gun and a cape and like wow you love cat boys you've always wanted to be a cat boy talk to me about siegfried a character that we've seen in other fighting games like soul caliber pretty much i don't know if it's supposed to be the same character it's not not at all it's not at all the same but it's not at all the same same character but yeah same same start same style and the reason why he'd get here uh he's very simplistic but i do like him a lot he's a big he's like a He's like a big hits, like big, huge, massive swings, big, like oh, crazy big damage. Sword guy. Wow. He's a big sword guy. And, and, and there's some other cool parts of the kit. There's like this like Rekka where he gets like a choice out of this like stance attack. And Okay, but let's start I talking like about some of the cool characters. I'm talking about Cagliostro, an alchemist. Alchemy, I mean, that's kind of a cool type of character to have in a fighting game, right? Yeah. Uh, Alchem- there, Cagliostro is the character that made me like Grand Blue Fantasy versus Rising, because I like a character that puts shit on the screen. Uh, and she is laying traps on the floor. She's laying traps in the sky. She has a chargeable projectile that beats out other ones. She's got uh, Dalsim tier teleports of like multiple teleports backwards, forwards, in the air, in the air behind you. Invincible reversal teleport that you can do in the middle of a combo where you're knocking people around and teleporting to them to follow up the combos. Where you're putting traps on the ground and comboing the enemy by pushing them behind you into traps, laying other traps, pushing I mean, them into it. That right in there, ways that are just I really super wanted to satisfying. I really wanted to say that everything you're saying about Cagliostro is true. But I think one of the coolest things about Cagliotro is that she uses the new mechanic in a way that I, I really don't feel like, other than her and Nier, 
I don't know if anyone else uses the the running moves like she does. So she has this this uh, leapfrog attack where if she's one of her running attacks, she like jumps over and like leapfrogs you. It deals damage but pushes you backwards, and you can use it for these combo setups where you put a trap on the ground, you you do a running attack, leapfrog over them, push them into the trap. They get hit by the trap, and then you get a combo from it. And like it it, it is like. I think when I first saw that, I, I my immediate thought was like, did they do this for the rest of the cast? Because that's insane. That's like, that's so wild that, like, she has this whole like setup involving this running attack, and that it changes her game plan and causes her to like get a long combo out of a running attack. Attack if she does the setup correctly, it's so cool. You know who else has a cool one is actually uh, Lil Wayne, where he has a cross-up on his, too, where he just oh, jumps to flat. the other side and hits on the other side, which is pretty nice. You know what I didn't realize about Lewayne Is that, canonically, each fight with Lewayne is the the Lewayne discussing what would happen in a fight with those characters. Like, after the fight ends, it cuts to them dreaming and imagining the fight. So it's really funny, because like this character is just like a group of chefs that... They're, they're kind of a joke character, not like just in like their like who they are and their identity. They're, they're like chefs. They're not like great at fighting. So I do love the idea of like when you're seeing them in a fight, that's them pretending or talking about what a fight with them would be like. Um, but also I do some love, wild mechanics, right? Like he's like this they do goofy... have like a unique a unique keep away mechanic where they are pulling items out and summoning like their bros and like I-, I feel like it is so easy to miss the mark on this type of character being funny oh bro humor but he like he does it in a in a very sincere way i guess that it works yeah where he kind of makes you like him th- despite the fact that he like is very obnoxious well he's also like a goofball so the bro humor comes off more as like what a what a goofball like moron and with him and his bros and he's like a chef that like doesn't know how to fight um rather than it being like he's cool and he's got his bros and it being kind of like that's weird but yeah but i love the mechanics of him like summoning his friends to like attack and summoning gadgets while he's like running away and just trying to eat food to heal i i think that it's like i i could see how it could be annoying to people but i think that playing it uh is a pretty novel experience um, and I appreciate that. Um, I really, I really actually like him because the just like you said, the eating food thing. It, uh, it, it makes it so that his keep out works in a way where you must get to him. Um, like you cannot give him time. Uh, you have to get in his face, and it creates a sense of urgency, and it makes the match work very differently. If you're just gonna sit full screen and be like, "No, that's fine. I'll just like you know wait and out I, the timer." I, yeah. And and I think that one of Grand Blue's strengths is that the characters are, uh, they they feel really individual, and it, that is really good in a game where characters are fairly easy to play, um, at least based on their floors of entry. Because yeah, the floor of entry is very low. You could play a lot of characters and like experience like a lot of you know different situations. Because you and your buddies are all able to pick up and play multiple characters that all feel different to interact with. Yeah, he's so cool. 
Smoke, uh, and now we're moving smoke. on to Mortal Kombat characters. I've already dis... Uh, I'm going to take Lee May off the list because as really? much as I love playing Lee May, Lee May, I think that she's kind of boring, right? Like, as a character. Um, I, don't like think she, that, I don't think that has to has, be that way, but... I, I, I think that, she, like, she has some cool concepts. Like, I, I do love the Lantern, but I don't know that the Lantern is enough. And it is, like the only thing that I feel is making her really individual and unique. I mean, you're the one that I guess would Because otherwise, like, I feel like she you... kind of is like a... She's as close to a Shoto as you could get, almost, yeah. of like... She has the projectile, she has the dragon punch, she has the hurricane kick. I guess she... I, I mean, I guess I, I'm surprised because I think her combo routing is very cool, is very unique. Um, yeah, it is. But, I mean, aside... Like, just playing her is like... She has a really strong, like, a uh, seven frame that just goes into 400 damage. And that's why she's good. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, in terms of setup, I feel like you're doing more interesting things when you're playing, like, Smoke and you're playing Reptile and things like that. So, Yeah, Smoke I have on this list. Uh, Smoke was a character I played a lot. I've, I've traditionally played him. Um, he's very different. He doesn't work at all like the his past incarnations. And uh, I think that the elevator pitch for smoke is vicious vapors there is a move that smoke has where he turns into smoke um and moves forward across the screen and he's uh, immune to projectiles while this is happening the really crazy thing about this is that if done correctly you can cancel it and the you know elevator pitch for this is that you can do like a string do vicious vapors and then rapidly cancel the vicious vapors and then do like another string or do something that would like kind of otherwise be frame data wise impossible. And it's a whole mix up tool of like someone blocked your string, but you did vicious vapors canceled through or went into something else. Um, I struggled really hard to get the timing down on vicious vapors i think i like i just had you almost quit you almost thought about not playing mortal Kombat. well well i i really it was it really felt like if you can't do vicious vapors then don't play smoke like i I don't think the character is like interesting or good outside of this is the knowing this mechanic opens up the rest of the character and like there's there's not a lot of fighting games where I'm trying to think of like it this is like similar to Electric Wind Godfist. That's my best example where where if, if you want to play Kazuya and you can't use Electric Wind Godfist, then don't play Kazuya. Don't. It's not even you don't have you don't know what you're doing. You cannot play that character without that technique. And this is like it's a similar thing where like watching trying to play smoke without this i think is very boring and once you get it down and it took me a long time to get to figure out the actual timing on it because the timing is different for every string that you use and how you cancel it um it just opens up the possibilities and you can feel like a god gamer like this feels this just was one of the coolest most fun mechanics that i uh had in a fighting game in a while loved loved this uh smoke mechanic loved vicious vapors um, Omni Man. I'm surprised. Uh, Omni Man is on this list. Uh, uh, he is, uh, you know, f- uh, a guest character. Um, uh, yeah, but he is uh, an incredible guest character because I feel like they nailed the Omni Man feel. Oh yeah, just he, like the brutality he is brutal. of him. Brutal. His movement, his sound effects, like he does that like he like run he like flies from one side of the screen and then flies out from the other side of the screen almost you know seeming like he went around the world to get behind you in a second and it is 
it is like it, it's it, it almost they really get that sh- the the version the invincible show style of like he's creepy with how yeah. weirdly good he is when 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 omni man is winning how much he doesn't care yeah he's almost yeah he is like very nonchalant he's very like aggressive but in a bored way and like hyper gory and and, and just like insane. not exerting himself more than he feels like he needs to yeah um that like that like a lot of the movements like he, his reversal isn't his reversal like the chest bump where he just kind of like flies forward a little bit but there's like a massive reaction and there's a brutality where he just explode you just explode he just flies through yeah. you and explode and like when this character it, it it is really the case that like when this character is winning it's demoralizing he's like he makes you feel like shit because he's just like appearing on the other side of you in a second and like punching you across the screen and like and he also just has a stance where he stands there where he just stands there and if you hit him he's just like dodging all of the hits he's just standing there menacingly so i thought omni man was worth being on this list just because those animations they're so good oh the animations uh quan chi didn't make it in in time uh for me to have enough thoughts about him, but also another incredible DLC character yeah. who just really has some neat moves and, and really great design. You have Scorpion on here though. Yeah, really. I, I played, Scorpion? I played Scorpion and you I really just guy. enjoyed this character a lot. Cameo I, of the I, year. I, I'm not even going to say that much about him. That, that just that the combo writing is really fun. That's, that's what the main thing I want to say about this character. Like they really I'm excited to, to hear your win on this. I got to say, uh man this is a difficult difficult uh year uh do you want to hear mine yes blanca street fighter 6 um because without blanca i wouldn't have a character to play in that game i really don't like the rest of the cast um yeah and he does fit your play style and he's he's a really cool creative character this is a really difficult choice and he gives you he gives you like anime abilities in a yeah. game where you don't have like Blanca, there's nothing like Blancachan or like his level two install in that game like it feels like very not street fightery in a way it's very cool um this is a really hard decision for me especially between like i actually really love johnny a lot and i love dalsam a lot um and eustace a lot but i think i would say smoke i think that smoke is ridiculously fun to play and getting down the vicious vapor stuff just like the 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 i just don't even know how to explain it like the 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 hand thing that you do to do like the input for it is back forward uh like uh three back um uh uh guard or something to cancel it and like getting the timing down on it and how smooth it feels when you're doing it and like when it works out and the ways that the combos work out the way that they look the possibilities it opens up for your offense how they bake all this i feel like they bake all like the most interesting aspects of this character of the kit into this one move and i just loved pulling it off and it, and it was a it was it felt very rewarding when i got it uh down consistently so the winners are blanca and smoke congratulations check is in the mail Let's keep going a little bit. Yeah, do we have time for the best on reveal? Uh, this will be a quick one. There's not even that many. New IP, best new IP, Lies of P. We already High talked Fire about Rush, it. Honky Star Rail, Lethal Company, Dave the Diver, and Robo Quest. Yeah, these are all new games. I think it also kind of maybe it's not fair. And but, Dredge. 
maybe it's not fair, but uh, I think a part of this is like best new IP because you want to see another one. Does that make sense? Mm, like, like I, sure. I think I think that in like not only is this a, a not only are these all new games that have that are not sequels to anything, but they are also uh, uh, cool because maybe you'd almost want to see another one. Um, uh, so Lies of P, I've talked about a lot. It's a, a Souls-like game. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if you want me to spoil this, but they the end of the game... Uh, without spoil- I'm, I'm aware of the end of the game. Oh, you're in the game? Okay, so they... This- Everyone talked about it. Oh, really? This is like Jan's favorite moment of the year. Oh, really? The- yeah. Okay, all right, so... They go crazy about this on Giant Bomb. Oh, okay, all right. So um, so, so then if it's completely out, uh, there will be more of this, and it's going to be in Dorothy. It's going to be Wizard of Oz, and Dorothy is going to be the main character. Incredible than- choice. Incredible uh, I think choice. incredible choice, and... Um, I've gushed a lot about Lives of P and to hear that we've there's talked about all these up. games. Yeah. yeah, we've talked about uh, all of them. Fantastic game, and I cannot wait for a follow up. And I love that they're doing it in a different part, and they're doing these like fantasy souls, like fantastic. Um, Hi-Fi Rush. I would love to see a Hi-Fi Rush too. There's no game that does that Hi-Fi Rush um, action character action uh, style of gameplay with the uh timing everything i don't think that any game does this exactly it's 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 fantastic honkai star rail sure. um i played it it's maybe the game does i've almost count? played the most does it about. count as a does new it count? i mean like you asked that like it is I a do. hoyoverse game and um in, in it, it, it it takes place like i think in the very very far future unrelated to honkai impact third it is unique um but is it going to win the award? No, based off of what I just said before, because I do not want to follow up to it. I just want more Honkai Star Rail. All right, yeah. So let's talk about that then also for Lethal Company, which is a game that doesn't need more. Like, it doesn't, like, just finish Lethal Company. Like, it is a cool new thing. You can thing, finish but it? It's, it's a single game. Huh? You can finish it? I thought it was like a Phasmophobia kind of thing where you... Well, what I'm saying is, oh. like, it's... Yeah, you don't want Lethal Company 2, you want Lethal Company 1.0. Yeah, and the game also has a robust modding community already where people are adding in new monsters and new maps. So, like, this doesn't need to be an IP. Uh, Well, I I mean, like, I I don't think... It doesn't have to be that, like, your win doesn't have to be based on that, but I think that, like, that is part of it. It's, like, it's the best new thing that we're playing that we've never played, and, like, is it maybe, like... Give, I'm, I feel like I'm giving extra credit to like maybe a world that I'm like that I've got to see more of that it's like I'm so excited that they made a new IP because not just because the game itself is good but it's an IP like I'm gonna get follow-ups I'm gonna get more of this world you know dude stop saying P or I'm gonna pee um, IP Dave the Diver also a pretty good game good worlds good characters I could the imagine sushi chef. I could imagine them uh, did you see the chef the chef looks like yes. the main character. Yeah, we talked about the they, chef. They could make another game where you play just as the chef, and I'd be happy with that. Um, similarly, uh, Dredge is, is an interesting one because... Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, I, I thought that Dredge is the best game that I didn't like. <coughs> Sorry, I got a popcorn kernel stuck in the back of my my throat here. That's I thought a... that Dredge had some great ideas, but... Uh, Almost felt like it gave up its secrets too early. Almost felt like it was just yeah. a little bit too small and repetitive. But I think in terms of developing a world that I want to spend time in, Dredge is a good is a good pick. 
Um, I also put round RoboQuest as a late addition to this. Um, RoboQuest, I think, is just fantastic. But I think uh, I, I would agree with you, like... I want more RoboQuest forever. Like I would. They love... already wrote, they already uh, dropped a new patch. They dropped uh, a new patch, and, and there there was a. I don't know if there's you saw it, NPC but there's and a roadmap. There is a roadmap. Yeah, the roadmap is what I'm interested in. There's new weapons are coming up. Um, uh, I think it's a similar thing where like I'm in love with this game. Um, I'm like infatuated with this game, but I think it's a similar thing to the other things where like. I want to see more from this company, and I want to see this game completed. I want to see, like, a 1.0. I want to see DLC. I want to see more from this game. So, um, so, so then what win? wins? So, for me, oh. Oh, with a bullet. Same. I think Lies of P wins. What? what? Yeah, really? Lies of P. Yeah. Yeah, Um. so, so I mean, not only... I, I feel like, for me, uh, not only... Am I do do I love Lies of P? Not only do I think that like it is one of the best Souls like games ever released. You don't even qualify it with this from software thing. Um, but the fact that like we're getting more of it and that it's Wizard of Oz and Dorothy is leading it, I just think that it's like it it, it like it really just that end reveal is just like where do you not want to go from here? You, you you can you can go forever from here. You can just do whatever you want. You 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 like almost have created like a cinematic universe where where like you can go off and keep. I don't even know if it has to be a Souls game. I, I it doesn't even maybe it doesn't even have to be like you can just keep making more things in this uh, story that you know that like it it's it's fantastic. One thing that like I I actually uh, especially having finished it today, um, not to belabor the point, but uh, uh, Souls-like games rarely have a followable story, um, and Lies of P not only has a followable story, but a very good story, and uh, I think that leads to all this, where I want to see more of this world, I want to see more of the characters of it, the end reveal is kind of huge, there's, like, uh, a lot going on there, and, like, it, I just can't wait for more of it, actually. Right on. So, uh, best new IP, Lies of P. Lies of IP. It's not 11 yet. I'm not a pumpkin. So real quick, best Marvel Snap card release of the year. We've got Legion, Annihilus, Nico Minoru, Loki, Iron Lad, Man-Thing, Jean Grey, Nimrod, and Phoenix Force. What a so great, what a great let, award. Let's assume that this is... Tune out if you don't know Marvel Snap, because we are not going to cover what all of these cards do. I, I feel like we could just, without even just saying the numbers... Just tell me what your favorite cards Without even are. saying the numbers... Okay, without even saying the numbers, Legion turns every single part of the game into the same uh, spot, the place that you put them on. The same uh, uh, location. Zone, the same location. I was afraid of what they even call it. Change all locations to this one. Yep. Uh, Annihilus uh, uh, moves any negative cards... Uh, any zero or negative cards from your side Not of the anymore. field onto the enemy. What? Not anymore. Now he it... does. He doesn't move zeros anymore. Okay, it's he just only negatives. Moves negatives. You believe that? Uh, can you believe that? Um, he he asked me. Um, uh, Nico Minoru is maybe the most complicated of these cards, where she has a different individual ability based on the turn that you play her. It's a random uh, uh, spell that yeah. she casts. Uh, Loki is wild he changes your entire hand to be cards of the star of the other character the other your opponent's starting deck with minus one mana cost um so just really like makes you into a doppelganger of your opponent uh iron lad 
uh, copies the next card that you will draw and becomes that thing. Um, Man-Thing uh, uh, basically just uh, puts a minus two on everything that is uh, one, two, or three mana cost at that location. He just downpowers everything at the location. Gene Gray forces both people to play into that location. Nimrod is a card that when he dies... Uh, puts himself, uh, uh, clones himself onto the other two locations. When he dies in one location, he clones into the other two locations. And Phoenix Force revives a dead, a card that was previ uh, previously destroyed and adds a, a, a huge bonus to it and allows it to fly around and yeah. change its so, location. So which of these cards do you like and which of them do you hate? I kind Tell of me like the cards you hate. I kind of like all of them. I think Iron Lad is kind of more basic. I think Nico uh, Nico is one of the most unique cards released this year. Legion certainly had his time where it was just like Legion was everywhere. Was just an insane uh, character. Um, Nimrod is a staple card. I feel like Nimrod is not. He released and he was so bad, and then he, he was got so a bad for so long. Just one one point, and and he got glowed up. I think I hate Loki. Uh, I, I if I was gonna say I, I hate one of the cards, I do not like. It feels bad to lose to your deck, but cheaper, especially in some of the decks that actually lose to the mirror match. Um, uh, 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 I think Jean Grey is a really uh, fantastic and unique and interesting card. Underrated. Underrated um, card. And Phoenix Force, like, there's some bonkers ass Phoenix Force is a miracle combos. card, right? Where yeah. it's like, this is objectively a bad card, but sometimes you just can't be you, stopped. You kill uh, your multiple man, and multiple man is whenever he moves, you create a copy at the le the last location he was. You kill multiple man, revive him with Phoenix Force, then you, Phoenix Force can move every single turn. He's a massive card. Now he's like huge strength. You move him. There's two multiple mans. Now you're moving him all over the place, and you're just creating multiple multiple mans that are massive. Or you do that to um, Human Torch. So like there is and a lot of... And then you do that, and then you just drop Living Tribunal. You just there make a big like ass human torch dream. drop a living tribunal. Uh, 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 I think Phoenix Force yeah. is like one of the most like dream scenario cards. Yeah. Um uh they're all really cool picks. I think Man Thing is like pretty basic, but I have him on here because I just love him. I just love him. You know? So what's your favorite? Oh, it's gonna be so easy for to make this choice. It's Annihilus. I actually love Annihilus so much. Um, Annihilus is a, uh, like you were, like I, we said before, he moves, uh, junk cards from your side onto the enemy's side, and he is, like, this awesome win condition for, uh, junk decks, which has always been my favorite. Feels like if, when you're, uh, playing against this, it can just feel, like, very checkmate -y. He just feels like the card that this deck always needed, the, the, this archetype always needed. So for me, it's Phoenix Force, and I feel like there is still some undiscovered dreams with Phoenix Force. And I'll tell you, this is going to sound insane, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I think that the secret to Phoenix Force right now is Angel. Oh, yeah? Why? Well, Angel was just buffed. So that Angel comes out of either the, your deck or your hand. But I think the thing that people have always underappreciated about Angel is that he actually thins your deck when he flies out. And one of the biggest problems that Phoenix Force has is with consistency. So when you kill one of your cards, when you kill your multiple man or your human torch, 
and Angel flies out, you're thinning your deck and making it more consistent. That is true. Yeah. Which means this miracle is more likely to happen. I'm kind of shocked, uh, and, honestly, that you don't have Legion here because you were in love. You you love Legion the he's, character. He's the best TV show, yeah. And but, you love Legion the card. You you went all you you balled out for this card. You had to get the the um, spotlight version of Legion. That's true, but I I just love Phoenix Force. I just I multiple man. When I started playing the game, uh, I was so excited about the idea of multiple man of being yeah. like look. At like multiple man kind of showed you like the possibilities of like the think of all the ways that I could do this when I hook the Hulkbuster up to him and then I can like pull him over with like my iron fist and like I could make multiple eight cost cards and then I Heimdall and then all the eight costs move over and create new uh, eight costs is that incarnate, which is just it 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 is really just like such a pop off of yeah of and sometimes people will stay because they'll be they'll, they'll just like be like i gotta see it i yeah. gotta see how many how many men are gonna be on the field you know how many multiple men I, I i love that i love that example of it multiple men is multiple man is a card that can only exist in snap it uses the snap abilities the snap uh gameplay um perfectly and uh, like you said i think the first when i first started playing snap when i saw multiple man's ability i, I was just like really Wait, hold on. You can you can keep cloning more of this card. Like this is broken. And like I think that there's like Snap has all these cards where like if they were in any other game, they feel like insanely powerful, you know what I mean? Like something like Sentinel where it just keeps like cantripping into itself. Like it's just like you have infinite two-cost cards um for the rest of the game. Multiple man just like like you just keep moving him and it's just those multiple mans are creating new multiple mans. Those multiple mans can create new multiple mans. Like stuff like this is just like only snap can do it. No other card game can remotely do something like this. So the best Marvel snap cards or rather our favorite Marvel snap cards, because these are not the best ones. <laughs> They're not the best ones. They're not the best ones. Uh, but Annihilus and Phoenix Force are our favorite Marvel snap cards of the year. Hell yeah. And that's it for part one. Part one down. Thank you, James. Thank you, Ryan. This has been WTDGpodcast.com for the Game of the Year Discussion 2024. Uh, thank you, Ryan Galloway and Bumpier for the use of your music. Uh, you can get it off the newest album, Pop Songs 2020. You can find them at YouTube where you can find links to all their merch. There's new crying coming up soon. Really? New oh, crying? Yeah. yeah, new crying. You mean it? Mm-hmm. Who knew? Who knew? New crying. Keep your ears peeled. Your for eyes. Keep your eyes new wet. New crying. This is the uh, announcement. It is interesting because some people might actually find out that there's new crying because they're hearing it on our podcast. Well, late breaking. Late breaking. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah.